Hello everyone! In this episode, we decided to cover the basics of trading. So when you log onto your exchange and you see the black terminal with lots of numbers going up and down, we wanted to demystify it a little bit so that the next time you see it, it isn't perhaps as overwhelming as it was the first time. And we we covered a couple of topics. And again, we mentioned this at the end of the episode. If uh, if we confused you about any of them, please reach out to us. Our email is ready at GoFullCrypto. We would love to clarify it for you. And um, and that was that was basically it. So yeah, basics of trading. If you wanted to, wanted to venture into trading, then we've put some really good key points in there about maintaining your emotions and and having a rule set and some of some of our experiences with trading as well. All right. Let's start the episode. The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Murgakshi Palway, and the guests interviewed on the Go Full Crypto podcast are solely their own. The content discussed are intended to be for informational purposes only. Trading. Keegan, when you think of trading, uh, what, what do you, when the first time you heard the word trading, what did you think of it? Uh, I pictured white guys in a suit <laughs> on wall street why does race have to be involved in this i this is you you asked me a question okay sorry yeah. this is the this is the Go portrait ahead. that media portrays this okay. is what i grew up thinking about with trading and now now i'm much more aware and i know that obviously trading is done by everyone in the world but uh yeah suits suits um i got a secretary bringing me lunch <laughs> all the time um, I, I sit all, there all the time and green numbers move across my screen and, uh, and then I make money. That's, that's what I imagine with, with trading. Wow. Yeah. That is quite the lifestyle. Yeah, no, that's, that's not quite how trading works though. What, what was the, when was the first time you realized that you could trade? Oh, I don't know if I've ever realized that I can trade. <laughs> What are you saying? Uh, I'm saying that trading is pretty tough, actually. Is and, it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it doesn't have to be, but you have to stick to rules. Yeah, you must stick to rules. If you trade with emotion, then you'll probably get wrecked unless your emotions happen to be very irrational. No, very rational. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like bang on the money as far as like timing the market goes. If your emotions move with the market, which they probably don't then we're talking we're i think we're getting way too much into okay. the depth of what what trading really is um i want to go so when i heard of trading um i i guess i don't remember what the first my first impression of trading was but i just saw it in movies as guys yelling at one another yeah. with wanting to buy or sell something and sell sell sell, sell. and uh i it made no sense yet uh, sorry it didn't make any sense to me when i um I, when i first heard of trading it it was just this foreign thing that i thought i'd never do because i don't like yelling at people and i i can't even yell across you know a, a non-noisy room i couldn't imagine myself yelling whether to buy or sell in a really crowded room and i, I wouldn't even know what i was buying or selling anyway that was my first impression of trading but well, it's still pretty abstract like that Right, like the people on the trading floor might be buying and selling copper simply to make money off the price, but have nothing to do with the copper industry. Yeah, and you know, in the broader sense of the word trading, we all trade. 
if, oh, like, on a daily basis. On a daily basis. If you buy anything in, in throughout your day, you're trading. That's, right. that's just what you're doing. You're right. trading Canadian dollars for coffee, for example. Yeah. So, folks, today in today's episode, we're going to demystify the black screen with red and green numbers going up and down and what that all is about. And hence, our first impression <laughs> of what trading is. But yeah, in the broader sense, we all trade every single day. Like Hegan said, you trade your money for coffee. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to start with a, a pretty extreme example. Uh, what was it? Well, well, like white guys sitting in the top of a side skyscraper with numbers moving across their screen as their secretary brings to them their lunch. Like that's that was the picture that I grew up in, like learning about with with respect to what trading was and, right. and what Wall Street was. Uh, but yeah, I think we kind of narrowed down and said, you know what? Trading is actually anytime you exchange one thing from another. Yeah. Right. So I, I went real niche and extreme <laughs> and then I went, OK, broad and uh, realized that trading is actually like fundamental to, to freedom, which is which is really cool to, to be able to trade one thing for another is is to, you know, participate in, in value exchange and create value where two people didn't have a thing that they wanted. And now both people got something that they didn't previously have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you have signed up on an exchange based on the kind of exchange it is, you must have um, seen or come across this terminal of sorts where to the left, usually there's a graph. And then right next to the graph, usually there are the green numbers to the bottom and red numbers to the top. Or did I mix that up? No, I think you get it. Yeah, green. Uh, but like this, some, some some trading them, interfaces yeah, do this opposite. differently. Uh, I, I think what you're getting at is on the left is the graph and on the right is the order book. Right. And on the right is like you can set the order book and that's where you place an order. So we really want to demystify that none of this is really complicated. Um, it It's just giving you a lot of tools yeah. to buy or sell Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency. Any one of these screens is flooding you with information. And if you a don't lot of know how to like segment the screen and look at it, then it'll look like a lot of information. Whereas what you're actually looking at is the one piece of information presented in like a multitude of ways. That's that's basically what a trading screen shows you. Right on. So at a really basic level, anybody who has that screen up, they're simply buying or selling one thing for another. That's it. And then there's like we said earlier, there's so many tools that allow you to um, add um, like context context to that. But there's Analysis. also like nice bells and whistles. Is that the correct term to use here? Sure. Um, what you getting at though? Like which, well, which bells and whistles? You know, because there's buying and selling. And then, you know, if I was listening to this, I would ask myself, okay, if someone is buying and someone is selling, then why does it have to look so complicated? And that's where all of the other features come in where um, you can really do a lot with respect to just simple one order. Like if you want to buy Bitcoin, there's a lot many things you can put in place in order for that um, buy order to take place. Well, just the question, how much of that thing are you trying to buy? That is in and of itself is that describes much of the complexity in the trading screen, right? Because if everyone was just trading at the same price, uh, like tra like if, if Bitcoin was always worth a hundred US dollars, and that's on that's only that's the only price that you could ever pay for Bitcoin, then the order book would just it would just look well it would look flat. 
right? You would have order, a multitude of orders at $100 and a multitude of buy orders and a multitude of sell orders at $100. But you wouldn't have a push and pull based on supply and demand. All you would have is uh, people lining up to buy that to buy that Bitcoin at that price. But no one sets the price of Bitcoin. And so you have to have an order book that says how much is this person willing to pay at this price and how much is this person willing to sell at this price right on so when you usually buy something on a super simple interface you are placing a market order which means you want to order buying bitcoin with your money at whatever price the market has decided at that time right that's a market order. Right. Uh, what Keegan was just talking about is called a limit order, which means you can limit at what price you want to buy Bitcoin with your money. So if one Bitcoin is currently, you know, in the market selling at 50,000 US dollars and you decide, hey, I don't really want to pay um, pay money to buy one Bitcoin at 50,000 US dollars. I'm going to place a limit order to buy one Bitcoin when it comes down to 49,500 US dollars. And you can do that. You can place that limit on buying Bitcoin at that price in your order book in this sort of uh, setting. And that's really cool because that means I can set the trade and then walk away and go to the park and walk my dog and then wait for that. That'll automatically trigger while I'm away. And for, or not, or, or, <laughs> or not. not. If it doesn't drop to forty nine thousand five hundred ever again, then you will not get that trade. Uh, but let's just say that it does. That's cool. I can actually also set another limit order that says to sell that same amount that I bought at forty nine thousand five hundred, sell it back into the market at fifty two thousand dollars, for example, and that difference is a profit, right? So I can set those two trades up, walk away. And let the market just ride it out, and I can take the difference as uh, as profit, and that's that's one trading strategy. Right on. So I think like that's the next level up from placing a market order because you're not you're still not doing much. You're not analyzing the the charts. You're basing it off of the volatility of the market, and I would say that is the next level of least stressful. Or in the in the range of stressful things that you can, the stressful trades that you can make, that is the least stressful is buying at a certain price and selling at a certain price and making that difference. Right, buy low, sell high. That's the the basic advice that any trader is going to give to you. Uh, a lot of times, or more often than not, in my early days, I would buy high, sell low, and lose the difference. <laughs> and uh, you weren't trading then, were you? Well, I was, I was <laughs> trading in the strict sense of the word, but uh, right. I wasn't successfully trading by any measure. Right. I, I, Why do you think that happens? What is, is that an emotional experience? That's okay. an emotional response. So like during periods of high volatility and, and four years ago when I started trading, um, Bitcoin and the rest of the cryptocurrency markets were actually quite a bit more volatile than they were now. And so when I saw a 30, 40, 50% dump, I was like, okay, cool there's going to be another 40, 50% jump, or sorry, dump, and I need to get rid of my assets now. And so I would sell low, hoping I could buy back in lower and it just wouldn't go lower. I've got this like weird conspiracy against the whole market. It feels like anytime I buy a position, the market does the exact opposite of what I want it to do. Uh, anyway, I think that's just life. I mean, not not life as in life, but um, wow, I, I did see that. Yeah, right. Life as in the other kind of life. <laughs> 
No, it's the unpredictability. So like you said, you would sell your assets because you would want to buy back lower, but you cannot predict the market. And right. anybody who tells you that you can. Right. So don't in the moment, my, my, my brain says, yeah, okay, cool. Market's dumping. It's going down. This makes sense. If I sell right now, I can wait for it to go lower. Part of the problem is, well, yeah, it often does go lower, but then how much lower? Like when when is the price that I'll buy back in? And if I don't set that in my head, then I'll wait for it to go lower and then it'll start to rise again. And then before I know it, it's it's above the price that I sold at and, and anything I buy back is a loss. <laughs> what? All right. So some things that I've heard and read about with respect to trading um, is that you have to set certain amounts of rules and the rules can pertain to something like, OK, if Bitcoin goes up by 2%, then I'm going to sell. I do not care if it goes up by 10% after I sell, but that is that is my um that is my goal and I'm going to sell at that price. Same thing if Bitcoin goes down. If Bitcoin goes down by 2%, no matter, you know, what the market is going to do next, if you have set a rule of selling when Bitcoin goes down by 2%, then you sell it. So these are just examples. Yeah, and I want to add some some language to to those examples. So when you set a sell target above the price that you bought at, uh, that's called take, a take profit. So you, you take the profit and regardless of if Bitcoin goes up 10% um, after the 2% that, that you wanted to make, uh, you don't keep holding, uh, you, you sell, you, you do the take profit so that you walk away with something. And that's, that's all well and good. You should feel good about that. Uh, it, you, you do feel a bit of FOMO, speaking from experience, when, when that kind of thing happens. But it's important to realize that, okay, I, I just made 2% on this trade. Tuck that away, add it to your savings or do whatever you do with that 2%, that profit. But just know that, that you've made some profit and pat yourself on the back. Now, on the flip side, you said, okay, if Bitcoin goes down 2%, I'm going to sell. Okay, so why, why would you do that? Well, it's called a stop loss. So Ruga said that you don't know how much Bitcoin is going to drop when it's dropping. So you enter a trade and it goes down 2% and you say, okay, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I'm, a, I'm 2% I'm 2 in the hole right now. I'm not willing to go any more than 2% in the hole. I'm going to sell now and I'm going to wait for a time where I can buy back later. And that's where emotion sets in. That's where and emotion sets in. If, <laughs> if you aren't true to the rules that you've set, something that your inner thoughts can say to you is, no, don't sell now. It's only 2% down. Maybe it won't go lower. What if it comes back up um, when, when, when you're trading? And that's when you, <laughs> you know, don't follow the rules that you have set yourself to follow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this can, this, I mean, this is just trading very, very basic fundamentals of trading. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're doing it with, with crypto or with traditional stocks or whatever. This is basically um, people taking advantage of the volatility of the market. Yeah. Traders actually happen to love volatility in a market. The more that Bitcoin, for example, uh, fluctuates up and down, the, the, there's more opportunity for them to make money. So the fact that Bitcoin went down to 30,000 recently, that is a golden opportunity. Like there's there's dollar signs in people's eyes because of that, because it was up at 65,000 and there's a reasonable expectation that it will go back there someday. 
And so you can make up the difference by buying Bitcoin now and selling, setting a target in your head for, okay, I'm going to sell when Bitcoin goes back up to 60,000. And whatever that duration of time is that it takes to get there, that's, you know, you, you got to be patient and wait for that. Um, or you can just say, okay, 30,000, I'm going to sell when it reaches 40,000, for example, um, set a smaller target. That's, that's also a fine thing. Right. Um, so the reason that we wanted to bring up trading in the first place is um, um, a lot of our friends and some of our clients, once we guide them through um, reaching their goal of acquiring something, acquiring crypto or acquiring Bitcoin, the next question usually or some usually is, oh, OK, so now do I need to trade to make money? No. And <laughs> the short answer is no. Um, the long answer is you're going to have to put in a lot of time to understand how to use those tools to your advantage if you do want to make money off of your money. But it is, you know, for someone who doesn't know what they're doing when they look at the trading terminal, it's pretty risky because if you don't have a rule set in place and you let your emotions take over, which, you know, most times do, <laughs> not not even just while trading, but um, that you can lose all of the money or the, the money that you have set aside to experiment trading with. So we brought, we wanted to bring this subject up, one, to demystify what that terminal really is. Um, in a nutshell, it gives you a graph of what, where Bitcoin's been and it gives you all of these uh, tools to mark lines on it or measure things with respect to the timeline. And then to the right, you have your order book where you can decide to set a market order, which you probably wouldn't do in that sort of trading terminal, but then there's limit orders uh, <laughs> where you can decide to buy uh, Bitcoin um, or any other cryptocurrency at a particular price based on your strategy. Um, so we wanted to demystify like that's all it is. That's, you know, a place where you can to, to some experienced traders make magic and you know turn your money into more money or turn your money into less, less money, money. yeah <laughs> and and secondly you know if you've acquired cryptocurrency you don't have to trade it to you know put it to use right so in the book that we're reading Ruga, the psychology of money one of the chapters is on knowing what game you're playing right and that's really important so if you're a trader then Play the trading game. Right. Set some rules for yourself. Be strict, and and play and do trades. Like play the trading game. Right. If you're a hodler, if you're a long-term investor, like okay, let's just say that you're a professional dog walker, and you're not a trader. Well, then you probably shouldn't trade while you're walking dogs. You know what I mean? Like if that's not your thing, and that you don't want it to be your thing, you don't need to feel obligated to make trading your thing. It's not for everyone. Uh, I'm really not <laughs> super convinced it's for me. <laughs> but and yet uh, you keep going back to it. Yeah, I keep going back to it. It is fun. I, I got to admit, it is a little fun. It's a yeah. lot fun. Yeah. Yeah. But that's because I like math and charts and cryptocurrency. And, uh, I don't know. Math and charts and cryptocurrency. Yeah, and that's the like only three criteria. Yeah. If you like, if you agree with those three wow. statements, then you might be a trader. Right on. So going back to you know deciding what game you're playing. Um, if you are a trader. I can bet my money um, on, <laughs> yeah. on saying this, like trading, traders play a very short term game. It is. Oh, not necessarily. No. Well, I guess we're going into der der derivatives. No, no, no. So like we're talking about long term trading, long term trading. Yeah. Okay. So I would say that 
we're we're a bit of both, Marga. For example, no, but I want to define the kind of games that can exist. I know, but so, there's okay. there's games okay. within the game. So if you're if you're a trader, then you ne- then you decide if you're a day trader or a week trader, or a month trader or a year right trader. On. Okay. Right. So like a long term trader would be someone who trades month to month or year to year. Uh, like Warren Buffett, for example, is a long term trader. He's a trader slash investor. But he's a long-term trader. And then the hedge funds on on, uh, Wall Street who are doing high-frequency trading, they're day traders. They're intraday traders, right? So if you decide that you're a trader, you got to figure out which game inside the trading game you're playing. Okay, so another point to note, thank thank you for bringing that up, is if, you know, depending on the game that you're playing, if you are a month-to-month-long trader, which means you have trades open for a month long, versus someone who has trades open for the period of a day or shorter than that, these two are different games within the trading ecosystem itself. Now, if the market moves significantly in either direction, and if you're playing the longer-term game, the the month-to-month traders do not need to worry necessarily about the movement of the market if it happens you know on a week-to-week or day-to-day basis because the decisions that they make are on a monthly basis there there can be adjustments but the fact of the matter is the day traders or the high frequency traders have much to gain or much to lose from the everyday happenings and the everyday volatility of any market and if you're playing the long game whether that be a month long game or a six month long game or a 10 year long game you do not need to worry about what happens on a day-to-day basis because that's not your game right so when, when you're picking trades and setting them up and you're doing analysis on these charts you're looking at the month-to-month chart, for example, and you're saying, okay, what what trend am I seeing on a month-to-month basis? And you can kind of discard the day-to-day almost. You, you say, okay, that doesn't really matter because I think on a long enough time scale, I'm seeing a, a, like a very good upward trajectory in this chart. And that's the kind of thing that a month-to-month or a year-to-year trader would, would be trying to capitalize on. And I actually do prefer this a lot because it means that you can go out and live your life a little bit <laughs> while you're doing some trades. So if you're trading on a month-to-month basis, or, or can I, you can identify a big trend playing out over six months, then you can you can set a little hypothesis, put a little trade in, come back six months later and see where you're at. Right. And don't let what happens on a day-to-day basis, you know, let, don't let it panic you. Is that a yeah, that's a, that's Panager? actually the exact correct word because oh, okay. that, that's one of the things that we we see in volatile markets is panic selling. Right. So when the price is dropping, people panic sell, which moves the price lower, which triggers those limit orders. Remember those limit orders that we talked about that like sell if it hits a certain price, sorry, a stop loss. These stop losses, right? Well, what happens when someone's pushing the price down? If you've got a lot of capital, then you can actually move the market or push the market. Um, and if they trigger a low price, which then triggers panic selling, which triggers lower prices, then you've got this this uh, virtuous cycle uh, of, of cascading prices. And that's that's one of the ways that we get these big 50% drops in Bitcoin is uh, someone dumps that triggers someone else to dump. That's, or it just triggers someone, something that has been pre-programmed in. Exactly. That's, that's kind of what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it depends on again what game they're playing. But um, I don't think that whenever we see a huge dump like that or a huge rise in the price of anything, it's um, 
it's simply the automated triggering of um like market orders like this because right. the hype that it generates or the the result of what one sees in the charts um is what perpetuates whatever is happening and that's where the panic selling or i don't know pa not panic buying but fomo fomo buying comes yeah fomo in. buying panic selling yeah yeah so the last thing that i think that we should cover Muruga, before we conclude this episode is candlesticks oh uh okay <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> i just I, I don't think it's something that um we can cover well without you know I, dedicating I okay fine go I, for it okay cool because there's a, there's a cool origin story of candlesticks and it's that that they were um invented by the japanese people yeah okay <laughs> we're just giving me the yeah yeah let's just do go this for it, Keegan. okay uh so yeah it was invented in japan uh when for trading rice so every day these uh these rice farmers and rice buyers would record the, the the highest price the lowest price the price at 9 a.m and the price at 5 p.m and that would make up one candlestick so when you're looking at these charts and you're seeing green and red and they look like candlesticks with wicks uh like a big uh, a big bar followed by a skinny bar on the top and the bottom of this bar and the bar is green or red that tells you that that's information about what's taking place in the market. It's really interesting to uh, to, to know this and to analyze it this way. So the, the top of the any wick is the highest price it reached in that time period. The bottom wick is the lowest price that it reached in that time period. Uh, the bottom of the bar is the closing price. And the top of the bar is, uh, sorry, the if the bar is red, the bottom price is the closing price. The bottom of the bar is the closing price. If the bar is red, the top of the bar is the opening price and vice versa. So if it's green, then the bottom bar is the <laughs> opening price and the top of the bar is the closing price. And, and Maruga thinks I confused the audience. <laughs> 100%. Okay, well. You changed what you were saying so many times. I didn't change. I, I, I nailed it. You corrected yourself. I only corrected um, myself once. The, okay, so when Keegan says closing price or opening price, he also means um, based on the kind of chart that you're looking at. Charts is something that we didn't talk too much about, but you can view a chart of anything on a five-minute basis, a one-minute basis. Um, a 30, you know, whatever, 30 minute, one hour, whatever period of time that you set in your trading terminal. And the opening and closing price that Keegan was talking about is based on the the view of the chart that you do select. And Right, um, so if you're looking at a one hour chart, then each candlestick is going to show you the price action for that one hour period of time. And so the, the opening price would be at 10 a.m. and the closing price would be at 11 a.m. And it's going to show you basically a summary. Like these candlesticks basically show you a summary of what took place within any period of time. And the opening and closing price is, I would say, the market, um, the price at which the market was buying or selling Bitcoin um, at that period of time. So at 10 a.m., at what price was Bitcoin selling right. in the market? At 11 a.m., at what at what price was it selling? That's the open and close price. And then the the thin sticks that you see above and below that candle, the, the top end of that stick or the bottom end of that stick determines in that period of time, uh, what was the highest or lowest price of Bitcoin. Yeah, and that's, that's really cool that we can have a chart that summarizes all that information for us. 
So like bringing back that to the origin, uh, these these rice farmers and rice marketeers, they would tr chart this and plot this over a period of time to, in order to try to determine trends in the market so that they could basically arbitrage or, or uh, figure out who they could sell and uh, buy from and sell to in order to make a profit. And that, that was really cool. That was very interesting. So in a nutshell, that was to analyze and gain insights on supply and demand. Right. Which is essentially what a market is based on, is supply and demand. Who wants what and how much of it is available. Perfect. Okay, so this was a very fundamentals basic episode on, on understanding a trading terminal. If we have confused you, please reach back out to us and say, hey, the thing that you said about that thing there, I need more clarification. We would love to clear that up with you. And hopefully when you see your terminal, a trading terminal next, when you go to an exchange, it's not as daunting. Cause I remember the first time I was pretty overwhelmed. Me too. So <laughs> after you finish listening to the episode, maybe you can log into your exchange and, you know, try to map the things that we talked about. And, and that's that. Thank you everyone for listening and stay tuned. <laughs>